Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. How to prevent a world war. The United States getting involved in combat in Ukraine right now or over the skies of Ukraine leads to war with Russia. What's next? Gas prices have gone up. Oil prices. Democrats. They declared war on American oil and gas. Impacts on the economy. And now, your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. A new week of News and Views. Start off with a little uh, good news, because we all need it, right? Um, ECU alum Harold Varner III is playing down in the uh, Players' Championship down in Florida, and uh, right now he is tied for sixth. He is uh, on his final round, hole 16, the leader right now is at uh, minus 13. Harold is at minus 8 on the 16th hole. So uh, probably not going to win it, but um, he has played well all weekend. So congratulations to Harold Varner III, ECU alum and PGA. Looking for his first PGA win. He's had a couple of wins, but uh, not on the PGA yet. I have every confidence that it will be soon. Lots to talk about today. And uh, over in Ukraine, things are not looking good, but there is a just a glimmer of hope. I'll start out with cut three. This is Lieutenant General Hodges. And uh, his thought is that Russia is running out of time, manpower, and supplies. But I'm, you know what, I'm, I don't think we should overreact to this. Um, the Russians, I think, are about 10 days away from what Clausewitz called their culminating point, when they just no longer have the ammunition or the manpower to keep up uh, their assault. So I, I think we keep pouring it on, and the Russians will culminate. All the bad guys sound like they're uh, getting together. I, you know, and then people say, is this World War Three? It certainly looks like it. I mean, I hope it's not as bad as World War One and World War Two were in terms of length and time and death and destruction. But Russia, uh, as as their army, their military is looking pretty inept on the ground, and uh, reports out today are saying that the loss of personnel by Russia is a lot higher than people are estimating. Uh, but, but again, it's an estimation. We don't know for sure. But apparently, Putin is uh, recruiting mercenaries from Syria. He's also requesting armament from China. No word yet on whether China is going to agree to that or not. But uh, apparently, the bad guys are all at least discussing how can we get together to uh, show our might. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens and scary interesting. I mean, right now, Russia is bombing some towns that are literally within miles of the uh, Polish border. What happens if uh, Russia is shooting a missile and uh, they get it off by four or five miles and it lands in Poland? How will we react? I can tell you this. Joe Biden is not going to be the leader on this. If the NATO nations get together and say, okay, that you, you crossed the line, 
We are now going to respond. You've invaded, you, you have breached the border of a NATO nation, and uh, we consider this a violation of Article 5. If that was left up to Joe Biden and the Biden administration, they would think of some excuse not to respond. Oh, that was accidental. We don't want to, you know, we're not going to provoke that. That's, no, we're not going to go there. A, a poll out reported by Breitbart from the uh, Trafalgar Group released earlier today. The survey asked, how confident are you in the ability of Joe Biden and his administration to prevent the Russian-Ukraine war from spreading to other countries? Now, I don't know how much control Joe has, and I don't know if Joe even knows what's going on. Overall, 61.7% expressed a lack of confidence, and uh, those of those, 45.2% said they're not confident at all. So, so nearly half of Americans don't have any confidence at all in Joe Biden. The vast majority of Republicans and independents, 83. Uh, 80, well, approximately 83% of Republicans, 72% of independents lack confidence in Biden's ability. Almost 36% of uh, Democrats have, <laughs> have no confidence in their leader. Uh, not looking good. And listen, I, I do not want us to uh, end up in a war. And I hope Russia is cognizant that they don't need to go into uh, a NATO country. But at the same time, if it happens, are we going to sit there? Is it going to be another Neville Chamberlain? And we're going to wave the white flag and say we have peace in our time? Rah, rah, rah. While people are being mowed down? Fox News State Department correspondent Benjamin Hall. If you've been watching Fox News at all, you see him consistently. Trey Yanks and Benjamin Hall are constantly the face of over in Ukraine for Fox News. He was injured uh, over in Kiev today. Earlier today, our correspondent Benjamin Hall was injured while news gathering outside of Kiev in Ukraine. Fox News CEO Susan Scott said in a statement earlier today, we have a minimal level of details right now. He's in the hospital. Hall has been reporting from Fox News from Kiev, even as Russian troops close in on the city. The safety of our entire team of journalists in Ukraine and the surrounding regions is our top priority. We will update everyone as soon as we know more. Please keep Ben and your fam- and his family in your prayers. Asked about Hall's injury during Monday's press briefing, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the administration's thoughts are with him, his family, and all of you at Fox News. And of course, over the weekend, freelance journalist Brent Renault was killed. Um, you know, these journalists have a... Uh, to, to me, I'm just my observation, it seems like they have way too much confidence that because they have a blue helmet and the word press across their chest, that they're not going to get shot. Uh, clearly, when the bullets are flying, you don't have this uh, magical dome around you that's going to keep you from harm. When the missiles are flying... They can't see the word press across your chest. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez came out today and said, raising the alert level of Russian nuclear forces is a bone-chilling development. 
the prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. Gutierrez called for a diplomatic solution to the conflict in Ukraine before it is the possibility of nuclear war. It continues to escalate, he said. It's time to stop the horror unleashing the people of Ukraine and get on the path of diplomacy and peace. I, I mean, that's great wishful thinking, uh, but do you think Putin is listening to that? I mean, you got everybody in NATO and Ukraine all say, yeah, that sounds great. How about getting Putin to the table? Uh, boy, this is an interesting story out of Russia. Mariana of Senekova, the Russia's first channel employee, went on live state TV in Russia earlier today and protested the war, post has, uh, posting a video to social media explaining her actions. Quote, what's happening in Ukraine is a crime and Russia is the aggress- aggressor. There's only one person responsible for this. His name is Vladimir Putin. The uh, female journalist said in the video, my father is Ukrainian, my mother is Russian They have never been enemies, and the necklace she pointed to that she was wearing is a symbol that Russia must immediately stop this war and our brotherly nations can still come together. Sadly, she said, I've been working for the first channel during the last couple of years, having having been doing Kremlin propaganda for which I am now very ashamed. I'm ashamed that I let lies be spread on television I'm ashamed that I participated in turning Russian people into zombies. We kept quiet when it all started in 2014. We did not rally when Kremlin poisoned Navalny. We still have been silent watching this anti-human regime. And now the whole world turned back to us. Ten generations will not be able to get rid of the shame of this war. Now, this young lady, by uh, saying this on social media and having a protest on the air on her news channel, uh, she will certainly be arrested and imprisoned. Could be worse. But, you know, at least this young woman has an excuse. She was forced to preach this propaganda. Now, I mean, she could have refused. But it's a better excuse than what our mainstream media in the United States, the American journalists, have. Well, what's their excuse? What's their excuse? The Washington Free Beacon has got an interesting story out. The World Wildlife Fund has blocked its Ukrainian chapter from signing a public statement that last week denounced the Russian government's invasion claiming that it could harm the group's long-term ability to do conservation work across the world. This according to the Ukrainian environmentalist activist. The World Wildlife Wildlife Fund, Ukrainian chapter, has added its name to a joint statement this month organized by the Ukrainian Nature Conservation Group, which called on democratic governments to ban imports of Russian timber and wood products 
a $13 billion industry and denounced Russia's aggressive war against Ukraine, according to the UNC, the Ukrainian Nature Conservation. World Wildlife Fund Ukrainian was one of the very first organizations to put their names to the statement to ban Russia and other wood imports from other nations supporting Russia, wrote the Ukrainian Nature Conservation Group. A spokesperson for that statement said, but just days later, I received an email from the representatives of the World Wildlife Fund International Management. That group, the international management, reportedly asked the Ukrainian group to remove World Wildlife Fund Ukrainian's name, arguing that, quote, as an international conservation organization, we need to stick to stricter guidelines that safeguard our long-term ability to do conservation work across the world. The letter was signed by more than 100 non-governmental officials, including the Rainforest Action Network and Global Witness. The move comes as the World Wildlife Fund has avoided direct criticism of Russia government, which the global climate change and wildlife activists maintains has close ties through it and its advocacy work and its office leadership in Moscow, it also comes as Republican lawmakers have launched a probe into potential financial ties between them and other U.S. environmental groups and Russia government. A spokesperson for the Ukrainian group, the removal request as an attempt to censor their colleagues in national offices have taken a stance on these calls and noted that the World Wildlife Fund has declined to speak out against the Russian war. The WWF's international office has issued a brief statement which does not mention Russia by name, saying it is gravely concerned about the mounting situation in Ukraine. While the World Wildlife Fund has been reluctant to criticize Russia, the organization has taken strong political stances in the past on U.S. issues. Last year, the group issued a lengthy statement after the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol saying it strongly condemns last week's attack on American democracy and the ongoing calls for violence. No word, though, when uh, the cities a couple of summers ago were burning to the ground in America. In 2020, the World Wildlife Fund condemned the killing of George Floyd. World wildlife cannot stay silent said WWF's U.S. President Carter Roberts in a statement posted to the group's website, we are compelled to speak out to condemn the injustices in the United States. But <laughs> Russia annihilating Ukraine, oh, nah, we're, man, we'll pass on that. Listen, here's the question. Exactly how much money is the Russian government paying to the world Wildlife Fund and other organizations, other environmentalist organizations, rather curious that an organization that has a stated goal of conservation, they want to fight global warming, they want to fight climate change, and yet they say nothing as Russia is openly decided to burn another entire nation to the ground. You talk about a carbon footprint, my gosh. What's the carbon footprint over in Ukraine? And they don't utter a comment. 
I mean, the leftist tree huggers of America, including many in the Biden administration, have said they don't want to upset Putin. They've said this. They don't want to upset Putin for two reasons. One, because Putin is negotiating the new Iran nuclear deal. Why in the world is that happening? Why in the world? I mean, that is beyond belief. But also because they want Putin to be on their side when it comes to climate change. And yet Putin is burning an entire nation to the ground. I mean, Putin is playing these useful idiots like a Stradivarius. And no doubt, I mean, so, so the, 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 the ones at the bottom of the food chain, he's playing like a Stradivarius. Oh, yeah, climate change more important than Ukraine burning to the ground. Oh, it's all about climate change. But who's getting paid off at the top? I guarantee you, if we could peel back the layers of the onion and find the truth underneath, it would make the Hunter Biden payoffs and the big guy getting paid off by other nations, uh, that, that would look like the good old days. Liberal Bill Maher, uh, he basically said it like it was on uh, Friday night's program. I don't watch it as a regular basis, but I saw this clip online. Uh, on Friday's episode of HBO's Real Time, Bill Maher's cut one, Clark. Bill Maher asked this obvious question. Okay, but if Putin thought Trump was really that supportive of him, why didn't he invade when Trump was in office? It's at least worth asking that question if you're not locked into one intransigent thought. Bingo. <laughs> Biden, though, he's, he continues to use Putin. I said this last week. Biden's got to be happy that, in a sense, he's got somebody to blame all his woes on. I mean, Obama blamed everything on George Bush. Biden started out by blaming Donald Trump, but it's pretty obvious his issues are his issues, but now he's got Putin to blame it on. On Sunday, a new poll from ABC News was released, and uh, not good for Uncle Joe. In the ABC write-up, they noted, over the past several months, Americans' wallets have been hit by skyrocketing inflation. Biden is now filling the crunch in his approval numbers. Seventy percent of Americans disapprove of his handling of inflation. Seventy <laughs> percent. Three out of ten think he's doing OK. The White House faces similar concerning numbers related to the economic re recovery. Fifty eight percent disapproving. That, that's surprisingly high. I mean, he's only got 32 percent that think he's uh, doing well. I can't believe he's got 32%. I'm sorry, 42%. <laughs> yeah, my math's not the quickest. Uh, on inflation, Biden has 70% uh, disapproval rating compared to 29% who approve. On gas prices, 70% also disapprove, 28% approve. <laughs> what are these? The, the, I mean, the 28% that approve obviously are just greenies that uh, have bought into the climate change and they're not having to go out and buy gasoline or fuel to heat their homes. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. So that gives you an overview of how Americans feel. Also, it says Americans overwhelmingly support the White House's proposed ban on Russian oil, which is a supermajority of 77%. 
But uh, how do they feel about the fact that he's not doing anything to replace the oil? I mean, had we had the XL pipeline, that would be pumping somewhere around 700,000 barrels a day. And uh, Canada said they could transport, you know, via train, another 400,000 barrels a day. Uh, And yet Biden is over there begging Saudi Arabia and uh, begging Venezuela to uh, pump more oil for us. Um, it's interesting. This is how the American people feel. That basically seven out of ten thinks, you know, it's 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 as bad as it could possibly get. And I mean, when seventy percent of Americans think, no, you, no, Joe, you're you, you're not even close. Uh, that's that's about as bad as it can get. Because I mean, you, you got to realize the vast majority of the people are just uninformed. I'm not trying to be ugly; they just are. The only reason they can say so confidently that Joe's doing a terrible job on things like gasoline and fuel is because they got to go buy it every day or every week anyway, and they see what the price is doing. So that's how the Americans feel. Listen to how delusional Queen Nancy framed the issue Friday night. This is cut to Clark Friday night at the Democrat retreat in Philadelphia. This is unbelievable. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary, A. B, uh, we don't want to reduce the um, uh, increase in jobs, which we're very proud of this president breaking records, his historic numbers of jobs created in the first year of his turning office and a lot of it traced to the uh, American Recovery Act. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, we're paying very close attention to it. But this starts with Putin because of global inflation for reasons beyond gas, gas price. Global inflation is something that we have to deal with globally, but we have our responsibility to deal with it at home. And we have legislation that does just that by increasing supply uh, and, uh, again, creating jobs in a way that is not adding to inflation. Increasing supply. Richard Fisher, the former president of the Dallas Federal Reserve, has publicly come out today and slammed Biden's energy policy. Basically saying what I just said, why are you begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia when we have all kinds of oil here in our country? We are oil and gas rich, and yet you don't do anything to go after it. Which not only, again, I've said this a hundred times, not only would it would meet our needs, but we could be a, an exporter of energy right now and actually begin to whittle down our debt. But he won't do it. You know, as Nancy was speaking, if you were to see the video of that audio I just played, a picture is worth a thousand words. The video of that clip has Steny Hoyer and James Clyburn standing behind Queen Nancy as she's talking. And their nonverbals as she was talking project anything but confidence. <laughs> even those two. I mean, look at the three stooges up there behind the podium. But even those two are looking like, uh, Nancy, we're on your side and, and we don't buy it. Stay with us. I'll be right back.
back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is going to be uh, clear and cool tonight, low around 40. No frost. Uh, tomorrow, though, warms up. Nice sunshine, high of 69. On Tuesday, sunny with a high near 69. I just said that. Uh, tomorrow night, a, again, a little warmer every night. A uh, high of, uh, a, <laughs> I'll get it, a low of 49 tomorrow night. A chance of showers on Wednesday. A confusing weather forecast. All in all, not too bad, though. Breitbart is reporting down in the state of Texas, the state has acquired a large quantity, the state of Texas, large quantity of 30-foot panels from the Biden administration to utilize the construction of a border wall. The materials come from federal contracts canceled in January of 2021. Texas is the first state to ever build a border wall, Governor Abbott said in an exclusive interview with uh, Breitbart. A lot of the border wall is being built by border wall material that was there and contracted for. Texas, Texas brought it, purchased it from the contractors who built the wall for Trump. We're building the exact same wall. In addition, a lot of people saw on TV a lot of these border wall components that were just lying on the ground, the taxpayers had paid for. Biden chose not to build the wall. We found a way by going through the surplus program of the federal government where Texas would be able to obtain these border wall panels, and we obtained as much as we could until guess what happened? Joe Biden found out about it. He put a stop to Texas being able to get it. Now, he says, Abbott goes on to say there might be some other ways we can get around that. So Biden says in his State of the Union address that we need to secure our borders. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, again, you've got to ask yourself, what side is Biden on? Here you've got the people of Texas that, well, we'll pay for it. You've got the materials right here. We'll, we'll, you'll, you can even get some of your money back. We'll, we'll pay for the materials, federal government. We'll buy your surplus that you're trying to get rid of. Biden finds out about it and says, no, nope, don't sell it to them. They'll use it to build the wall. What do you think they were going to buy it for? you got to ask yourself, what side are you on? Are you on the American people's side, Eddie? Or on the other side of the nations that want to bring America down? And then you got to ask yourself, again, we know Hunter Biden and the big guy got paid off, right? China, Ukraine. Who's, who's doing the paying now? Now, at least you think that accusation is uh, too over the top. I mean, all you got to do is look into the Biden crime family and what they've done in the past. But I, I take you to another story. Representative, Democrat from New Jersey, Representative Malawinsky, a Democrat who has consistently opposed measures to make America energy independent, has taken thousands of dollars from a lobbyist for the Russian Nord Stream 2 pipeline. 
Why in the world should the nation of Russia, or any nation for that matter, that is in opposition to what America ought to stand for, why, why do they even have the right to come in? I mean, if you're not an American citizen, why should you have the right to come in and lobby American representatives? Gas prices surged 22% in the last two weeks to hit the most expensive ever recorded, $4.43. It's, uh, by the way, higher than it was in July of 2008. Isn't it interesting? So we get Obama in there, and we have the uh, first all-time high, and then we get a Biden in there, and he uh, manages to break that record. So the discovery of Malawinsky's accepting thousands of dollars in donations from a Russian pipeline lobbyist could have severe repercussions for a vulnerable Democrat. We can only hope so. Vincent Robierty is a former Democrat Connecticut state representative who runs Robierty Global, a firm that has been paid more than $8.5 million for its Nord Stream 2 lobbying work. He has also held honorary titles in the Democratic campaign arms of the House and the Senate, simultaneously holding titles with the campaign arm and lobbying for Nord Stream 2. He gave Malawinsky $8,600 in campaign contributions, according to FEC filings. In fact, 5800 of the campaign contributions, the maximum legal limit, were from February 2021, only months before Joe Biden waived sanctions on the company behind the pipeline. The Russian pipeline runs counter to the American energy independence. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. As for opposing American energy independence, Malawinsky not only has opposed the Keystone Pipeline, drilling on federal lands, drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, and expanding natural gas, but has also refused to prevent a ban on fracking and has stood by Biden 98% of the time for and with his votes. Uh, follow the money. Now, I know this is going to his campaign, but so what? Follow the money. People are getting paid off. I mean, we can't just sit back and say, oh, it's bad policy. Oh, they, these people have such bad judgment. Oh, if they only were smarter, they wouldn't be making these decisions. It's not, it's not smarts. It's corruption. Breitbart is reporting Republicans have taken a nine-point national lead among Hispanic voters and more than double support in the black community to 27%. <laughs> if this is truth, the Dems are done. Stick a fork in it. I mean, if these numbers hold true for the next eight months, the Dems are done. The, the poll conducted for the newspaper by the Democratic firm Impact Research, uh, it shows that the GOP has broken open a nearly double-digit lead with Hispanic voters since the Wall Street Journal's last poll in November, leading Democrats by nine points. I mean, nine points for Hispanic voters, that's a landslide. Whereas back in November, the two parties were tied with key, uh, this key demographic. The survey also found Republicans making gains among minority groups. By nine percentage point, Hispanic voters in the new polls said they would back a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat. The two parties had been tied, as I just said. Among black voters, Republicans have more than doubled their support since the November survey. Back then, the GOP had 12% support in the black community, a number that is consistent with national election results in recent years. 
But now, in this survey, Republicans have a whopping 27% of black voter support. I, this, this is phenomenal news for the Republicans and conservatives. This is unbelievably devastating news for the Democrats. You know, it's interesting. Here in the state, I mentioned this last week, even though Eric Holder managed to get Anita Earls elected and you had the Democrats in the Supreme Court basically, you know, say, no, we're going to take care of your congressional maps, you know, clearly goes against the state and the federal constitution. Even though they managed to do that and drag their feet on the state district maps, they can't get anybody to run. I mean, it's, it's abysmal how many Democrats are running for state and federal office. All time, recent history, all time low, modern history. I mean, this is this is uh, unbelievable news for the Democrats. The Democrats, as I mentioned, had a retreat into last week. That was that audio clip from Queen Nancy. That was from that uh, up in Philadelphia. Um, Democrat midterm campaign chief Sean Patrick Maloney from New York said over the weekend in Philadelphia that his problem is his party. The party is the problem. That's why we're not getting any votes. At the uh, retreat, Maloney, head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, said that as much as everyone else is saying the problem is not the voters, the problem is us. He made the statement during part of the conference weekend that was supposed to be designed to forge unity. (laughs) How'd that work out for you? (laughs) We're going to forge unity. And the keynote speaker tells them, you are the problem. (laughs) Quote, they think we're divisive and too focused on cultural issues, you think? They think that we're preachy, bingo. They think that we act like we know better than parents when it comes to their kids in school. Yep. Uh, Democrats appear to be noticing their chances of holding the majority through the midterms are not great. (laughs) That might be the understatement of the year. This comes as Democrats are having trouble with messaging on a national level for the last year, if not longer. It is easy to chronicle the issues within the Democratic Party, including midterm strategies, defunding the police, infrastructure, Cuba, and even wanting the change uh, within the White House. Maloney himself has even had problems with messaging on rising gas prices, fundraising concerns, and has even attacked his party's vulnerable members. At the same time, the DCCC included uh, factual inaccuracies in their Kyle Rittenhouse reaction statement. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Maloney and the party seem to want to focus on Joe Biden and embrace the Biden style, even though they're having all these problems. According to the Post, the Washington Post, he is the person, talking of Joe, that in many ways we need to become. Apparently you need to become cognitively impaired. (laughs) Maloney said that about the president's interaction with voters. If there's a kid with a stutter, the president's going to fall all over him. If there's a cop or a a firefighter who has had a tough time, Joe Biden's going to wrap his arm around him. 
yeah, why, in the meantime, we're going to fire you if you uh, aren't vaccinated. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, we're going to fire you. And if you're in the police department, we're going to defund you. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Joe. Oh, Uncle Joe. Kind Uncle Joe. I'm sorry. The majority of voters, well, I just mentioned in that poll, seven out of 10, Joe, doesn't do not think you're doing very well in the economy and gas. I'm sure you got gas, but uh, the majority of the voters are not buying, buying the facade. Uncle Joe, creepy Uncle Joe, the hair sniffer. I, it's it's insincere, Joe. Y- you've spent all your ammunition on being Uncle Joe. What no- happened? Yeah, nobody knows what happened, but especially you. I, I, boy, I tell you what. Republicans don't blow it. I mean, Republicans have a way of uh, taking some, you know, snatching victory out of uh, defeat or whatever the saying goes, Uh, snatching defeat out of victory, whatever. Uh, They have a way of screwing it up. But um, it's looking pretty good for November. We can only hope. The problem is now we can make sure whatever Joe does if we've got the the House and the Senate, uh, basically we'll be living in neutrality, but we still have Cousin Eddie in there and the laughing hyena right behind him. Um, I mean, right now, if something would happen to those two, guess who's third in command? Queen Nancy. <laughs> that is a scary thought. we got to take another break. I know you will. You'd love to be president, wouldn't you, Nancy? We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Speaking of being uh, cognitively impaired, um, Representative Ronnie Jackson, who's been on our program before, he was the uh, White House physician for Obama and Trump. Uh, He is now calling for Joe Biden to resign, noting he is not cognitively capable of leading. Come on, man. I I mean, I I really like Ronnie Jackson, and I don't disagree with uh, your medical analysis, but... Do you really want to remove Joe and have the laughing hyena in charge? I don't think so. Uh, Carolina Journal has got an interesting article out on Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn, I think it might be his own worst enemy. And I realize a lot of people like him because he's sort of a out there firebrand uh, conservative uh, he might want to rein it in a little bit, not on being a conservative, but just on how he's handling himself. Uh, Carolina Journal, Madison Cawthorn, NC11, is facing criticism on several front fronts as he begins his re-election campaign. Um, he's got um, primary challengers who are conservative. I don't personally know any of them, but I have read a lot of articles and 
Some of the people that are running against him are every bit as conservative as Madison Cawthorn is. And Madison Cawthorn has got more money in his war chest, but he's also got more problems. Now, he is running for re-election in the same basic district that he ran and won in the first time. He was talking about switching over, and uh, when they had that district was developed for um, Tim Moore, and then Tim Moore decided not to run, and then everything got discombobulated. And so, anyway, Madison Cawthorn is back in, in what would be the original district. He returned to his home district after a court-adopted congressional map no longer included a GOP-leaning congressional district near Charlotte. We want less established Republicans in D.C., which is why we made the move, Cawthorn said. Now we've come back. We're very confident we will win in a landslide. He doesn't lack confidence. I'll give that to Cawthorn. He's pretty cocky. Last week, a video surfaced showing Cawthorn's comments during an Asheville town hall in which he called Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky a thug and the country incredibly evil. The video first surfaced in the comments section in an article about former George W. Bush Chief of Staff Karl Rove. Remember that Zelensky is a thug, Cawthorn is shown saying in the video. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt. It is incredibly evil. It has been pushing woke ideologies. Cawthorn seemed to attempt to address the comment in a March 10th tweet, but it may have been too late to head off a barrage of online criticism. Uh, Michelle Woodhouse, who was once a big ally of Cawthorn, now she's running against him. She wrote, it's incomprehensible that a member of Congress would call Ukraine's president a thug. Conservatives in my district are terrified that we will lose this Republican seat to a leftist Biden Democrat if Cawthorn somehow wins the nomination. State Senator Chuck Edwards of Henderson, who is also facing Cawthorn in the GOP primary, tweeted, let's be clear, the thug is Vladimir Putin. We must unite as a nation and pray for Zelensky and the brave people of Ukraine who are fighting for the freedom. Cawthorn has also recently been cited for driving without a license after a series of speeding tickets were not resolved. Our office expects the traffic matters to be resolved quickly and we remain focused on serving the constituents of North Carolina 11, Luke Ball, a Cawthorn spokesperson, said in a statement to WRAL News. It isn't the first time the freshman congressman has come under fire. Back in May, he took heed about his attendance for the Capitol Hill votes. The government watchdog ProPublica has signaled him out as one of the most absent members in the U.S. House. Cawthorn has missed 6.8% of the votes for uh, the 117th, 117th uh, session of Congress, this makes him the 19th most absent member of the House. The congressman also missed 34 of 510 roll call votes since taking office in, 20, in January of 2021, according to the GovTrack.us. Of the 435 members in the U.S. House, 416 have better records showing up and voting during this session of Congress. Cawthorn's apparent attendance, rather, doesn't appear to have improved, um, does appear to have improved somewhat. Um, at the time, the Cawthorn camp offered a congressman's wedding and honeymoon as the reason for his absences. Representative Cawthorn married the love of his life on April 3rd, 2021. Due to his honeymoon, he missed the House votes. Uh, two days before Christmas of 2021, Cawthorn announced that he and his wife were divorcing after eight months of marriage. 
when my wife and I were engaged, I was not a member of Congress. He talks about how hectic the pace is, and it didn't work out well for his marriage. Uh, Cawthorn met his wife. Anyway, all that being said, uh, he's got his hands full. Madison Cawthorn has got his hands full. He, he I would say overconfidence is uh, probably his problem. Cockiness is probably his problem. Listen. I'm happy that he's a conservative. We need conservatives, but we need conservatives that don't embarrass the cause. We need conservatives that have their heads screwed on straight. And uh, some of the things that Cawthorn has done and said, uh, I, I mean, since you're a congressman, you think you can drive without a license. You can make these statements to your inner circle. I, I, I just, he's got his hands full. Now, you've got enough conservatives in the primary running that he's got the most money, but he's also got the most issues. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. The Hill is reporting that the, the Democratic Super PAC American Bridge is accusing... Uh, Donald Trump of breaking campaign finance laws, citing his spending on political funds without officially launching a presidential bid. The group told the New York Times that it is filing a formal complaint with the FEC and using the former president's own words in the complaint. He should have to adhere to the law in a way that all other candidates do. All I can say is this is really rich coming from the Democrats. <laughs> I mean, this is the party that helped pay for the dossier trying to take down Donald Trump. Uh, and your candidate helped pay for the dossier. Uh, this is the party that sent Mark Elias into state after state, just like North Carolina, where the state board of election was controlled by Democrats, but where a state like North Carolina had uh, Republicans in charge of drawing the maps, and he's come in, and along with uh, Mark Elias and Eric Holder, basically taking a look at our Constitution and shooting the bird at it, saying we're going to ignore the Constitution. We don't really give a hoot about that, and we'll do what we darn well please. And this is the same Mark Elias, too, that went to state after state and usurped the legislature— in North Carolina, like they did in many other states, after the election had started, the last general election had already started, they go into the state board of elections and essentially say, ignore the state legislature who made the election laws. We're going to change the laws in the middle of the election. We're going to change the rules. Uh, this is the same group that is now accusing Donald Trump of uh, not following the law. By the way, how do they even know which dollars uh, Donald Trump is using? He's probably using his own money. And the fact that he hasn't officially announced that he's running yet, this is this is your, your big pet peeve. They'll continue to go after Donald Trump time and time and time again. And uh, But he will, you think that's going to upset Donald Trump? By the way, congratulations to Harold Varner III. I mentioned this at the top of the program. He has done his round. He finished with a two under 70 at the Players' Championship. 
And uh, he has the sole position of uh, sixth place in that championship. He'll get a good paycheck on that. Congratulations, Harold Varner the third ECU alum. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.